Hey, I am Hanan. And I am Steluza. And you're listening to the Path to Resilience podcast. Here we connect you with global thought leaders. You can listen to their stories and learn from their experiences. We are both professional coaches who believe in change, the change that empowers and lifts others. We believe in being authentic. That's why we invite leaders who are comfortable with talking from the heart. We also believe in the power of the mind and how it can improve your health, your relationships, and your performance. Whether you want to make a positive change in your life or upgrade your vision, this is the place for you to be. Thank you for connecting. Hello, hello everyone. Uh, we are from Seattle, Vancouver, and we have uh, Pablo today from Buenos Aires. Uh, please write in the comment where you're from. And uh, I just want to uh, remind uh, the audience, the people who uh, join us for the first time. Uh, thank you, Benaisa. Uh, welcome among us today. So I just want to remind the people who join us for the first time that uh, the path uh, to resilience is about shifting our perspectives. Everything we do in life, if we learn the skills of shifting from a negative mindset into a positive mindset, we will be able to handle our daily hurdles and so on. And this can uh, involve dimmer, different dimensions. It can challenges can happen at the personal level, personal level, professional level, um, really at the organization level, all dimensions. So today we picked up a subject very dear to me and to Saluta, the power of compassion. And uh, we invited uh, uh, Pablo, uh, uh, who is an Argentinian pathologist. Uh, he spent all his career um, uh, with uh, uh, inspiring, uh, uh, dealing with patients uh, at, uh, uh, with the I would say very tough diagnosis like cancer and uh, he has a vision uh, uh, in, that embraces humanistic vision of life, uh, health and, uh, and the medicines as science and art of healing. So his vision encourages his daily duties as father of family, uh, his hospital practice and teaching activity in the school of medicines as professor. Uh, and he defines himself as an usual and usual pathologist always available to meet patients face to face. So you may be wondering what's the connection between resilience and our guest today. And uh, because we noticed, it's not only we noticed, I experienced in the past situations with doctors. I have long history with doctors uh, where you feel like the doctor is from one side and the patient is from another side. And uh, there are some doctors, I will not generalize because we have a case today. We have an amazing uh, guest who would talk uh, about that from a different perspective. We noticed that the doctor focus always on the, on the maybe on serving, uh, as Saluta said earlier, serving the clinic the pharmaceutical uh, industry, but not the patient. We feel a disconnection between uh, the doctor and how the patient is treated. And I have experienced in the past many examples where 
the the doctor the doctors show almost no empathy no compassion toward the patient which can impact the mental health of of people of patients and today we would like to hear from you pablo can you uh, present yourself and how did you uh, get into this path as a pathologist Hello, Hanan. First of all, I want to thank you and Seluta for inviting me to share experiences of compassion in this beautiful space for reflection you have created. I feel very grateful and honored. I'm okay. the son of a doctor, a colorectal surgeon. I have learned the principles and values of the profession with the example of my father, who still works today. He is 82 years old and is wow. very active. He continues visiting his patients, taking their hands and listening to them. I think that is the secret I have learned from him, knowing how to listen to others with our heart, what we call today empathetic listening. <clears throat> and it was my father who taught me it with his example, with his behavior. My father usually says, we have to understand that persons who come to us in the hospital bring problems and trust in us the most important they have. In terms of him, the most holy these have, their health and lives, and need to be heard. This is the first step for their healing, something that sounds evident but our universities not always teach it as clearly. I like to start this live with the meaning of the, the word compassion. It's a word, Latin root. Do you know what it means? Con, in Spanish, con is with. Passion, to suffer with. The word means to suffer with the others, to understand deeply the human suffering that is going through or struggling the other, learning to put oneself in their shoes, as the popular quote says. I am the eldest of three brothers and the only one who embraced medicine, profession we understand as the science and the art of healing. Being a teenager, I was part of a group for young people with whom we visited one of the hospitals for mental disorders in Buenos Aires. I remember well the joy of those patients when we visited them and brought them some sweets every Sunday morning. These experiences imprinted a deep mark in my soul. Then came the medical career. I started with the intention of being a clinician or a psychiatrist. But I always there's a but. In my first year of the career, I, made, I met a great professor in the subject of histology, cell biology, and embryology, a pathologist called Eduardo Mareso. This professor made me fall in love with the fantastic universe of the microscope the passion he transmitted to us was so strong that last today. Already graduated during my first years of residence, 
and being a leader of a group of four young people, we volunteered social tasks in a public hospital located in our neighborhood in Buenos Aires. The young people in my group fed patients unable to feed themselves, and I accepted the tough task of accompanying to death some patients with advanced cancer in palliative care at their homes. This is my, in, in yeah. summary, my, yeah, my, well, th my career. Thank well, thank you for sharing. It's really uh, inspiring. Uh, and I believe that every, uh, every uh, doctor, every uh, person in general has his or her own reasons to, to pick up a career. As I said before, either we struggled with something, we were inspired by an approach, or we would like to make a difference in the life of others. This is a subject very important to the people who work in the medical um, field or who handle, uh, 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 who have uh, direct contact with, uh, with patients. Uh, handling patients with compassion makes really a difference. I have a story um, from 2001 with a doctor that I still remember that I wrote a whole article about him that I will never forget that impacted my whole life and my mental health just because this doctor treated me very bad. And I was really, really uh, shocked because that came from a prestigious uh, hospital in Boston and I was expecting. And as you said, when, when you go to a clinic or a hospital, you come with your problems and you also go for, with your hope to find a solution. And then when you meet someone, for maybe for the patient's perspective, it's everything. It's, it's his whole life, it's his hope. And then from the, the doctor's perspective, it's just a case, a number, a consultation, and that goes. And I remember he used to come with, it was a teaching hospital, and he used to come with all his uh, students. And they will stumble and then, I mean, I didn't feel any empathy, any, any kind of like understanding. And even, I don't want to go into details, but I prefer just to mention that, I mean, if anyone listening today that deals with patients, please deal with care because I, I am an example of those uh, patients that uh, really, uh, that I was... Uh, um, terrified <laughs> because that impacted my mental health. And I can share with you, so I am fortunate not to have big health issues, but my mom who is old does have a lot of health issues. And I can share with you the impact of the way a doctor treated her on her mental health and overall state a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Excuse me, she went to, to see a doctor at the, uh, at the military hospital a specialist and the treatment that she got was the one that soldiers get in the military she was not allowed to answer any, with anything else but yes or no oh. and she was told that she only have five minutes she needs to answer those questions and then she needs to go 
and my mom, I can tell you, um, my my mom was depressed and she suffers of mental health issues. She has a predisposition. She was diag diagnosed with depression and anxiety. It affected her for days in a row. She was depressed because of that. So it is so important the way so I want to ask you, uh, Pablo, as a pathologist working with, because you're working with patients dealing with cancer, right? How do you communicate with your patients in challenging moments when it's challenging for both of you? Because it's not challenging only for the patient. It is also challenging. We need to acknowledge that it's challenging for you as a, as a doctor as well. How do you deal with those moments and how do you handle this communication with them? First of all, I unfortunately, I, I hear a lot of histories like yours. And, and this is a, a problem in our uh, Western medicine. I think that um, Western medicine is so technical, so sophisticated, but uh, sometimes dehumanized. In, in in the way to to manage with a, with human beings with a with a human being that is struggling as pathologists it's not so common pathology is an specialty focus on diagnosis and a diagnosis uh, by the study of uh, of samples or uh, surgical specimens and it's not so common meeting patients in person or having a direct communication face to face with them. But sometimes these situations happens. I see patients in their integral body, mind and spiritual constitution. Uh, I believe, deeply believe that many diseases express through the body imbalance, imbalances of lifestyle, mind, or carelessness of the soul. You know this Hippocrates quote, before treating your patient, ask him if he's willing to leave those things that made, it, made him sick. I'm always available to meet in person the patient. In those cases, I try to arrange an appointment and when the communication or when the situation is tough or, or, or difficult, I practice everything I've learned about empathic listening and communication. For example, keeping your eyes, a warm look, a smile, make easier the dialogue. Allowing the other to express what he feels without any judgment, accompanying him in all what he feels. When the situation is very difficult and medically, it seems there are no treatments to prescribe, it is always possible to connect as human beings. In, some, in such situations, the language of gestures is more important than words. Taking the hands, sometimes giving a caress in the head 
or a hug, always transmitting hope. There is a sentence I like and keep to these situations. While we were alive, there is hope. The hope of a patient suffering from an illness that can end his life is different from ours in full health. Perhaps this hope is the hope of seeing the morning sun again or reuniting with his loved ones. I try to detect and diagnose that hope and feed it. Yeah, it's uh, inspiring. Yeah, well, uh, I had this story from a long time ago, but years later, I also visited another doctor who was completely different, who was very present. And as you said, uh, smiling and talking to me with a warm, uh, in a very uh, compassionate way and that impacted my day and the rest of I, I'm sure that I'm not going to forget about that that uh, way of uh, the, the, her attitude and the way she talked to me and again I mean people you don't need to see them for many years to impact their your life so, some, in some cases you meet them one day two days and they can impact your mental health for the rest of your life. Um, I hope, I really hope that today our message can be, uh, can reach a lot of people because I don't know, it's, it's maybe personality traits in, in some cases, uh, whatever you say, uh, there, there will be always doctors who are uh, mean because, or maybe doctors that focus only on, 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 they think that focusing on the results is the most important thing. Like the result, okay, the surgery, I have the surgery or, uh, or someone who has a consultation, he's focusing on diagnosing and the diagnostic and, and moving on. But we all know that the doctor can be the placebo or the nocebo at the same time. And for many years, uh, the doctors were, for me was the nocebo had this nocebo effect on me because uh, I was thinking more on the way I was treated than on the issue itself. And if we can just a little bit, I mean, just some, a little effort uh, from a pharmacist, from a doctor, from a nurse to try to uh, develop this compassion and, 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 and uh, talk to patients as humans because they come with the hope that there, is, there, there will be a solution, there will be a change, there will be an improvement, that things may, may change. <laughs> exactly. It's so true. Yeah, and I just wanted to add, because we have professional people here, and maybe, you know, they go through difficult challenges, or they have people in their life who go through difficult challenges, which may not necessarily be medical ones. But I, I really love what you said, when somebody is going through a, a tough situation, through really difficult moments, regardless whether they are professional, personal, health issues, just a warm look in your eyes when the person talks to you, just a little smile at the corner of your, of your mouth, just a physical touch component to it, if it's available or if it's allowed in your culture. Take I think their they, hands. Exactly. Take their I, hand. And, exactly. and it's, uh, it's 
for me it's uh, it's it's incredible the reaction of the of the other people and it's the first step for healing exactly. some people some uh, made majority of people needs to be to be here to be to be heard to be to be listened to and and when when they feel that they are deeply understand in in what they are living uh, the, the situation changes completely and 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 this is the, the, the first step or the beginning of healing. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I remember that was another case a long time ago. This doctor after surgery, uh, he just looked at me and he told me, Helen, well, we, we tried everything. The only thing that you need to do is to pray. And he said that in a very uh, cold way. It's like, okay, I did what I have to do. Now you need to pray <laughs> for the rest <laughs> in order to work. You know, you know, there's some some history I want to to share with you. But the 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 first step for for our uh, relation with this patient was the the notice that I was praying for her. I, I pray for my patients and and they they don't know but but I do yeah. and and this is uh, other uh, weapon <laughs> we have to cure eh? to cure and and well yeah this is a uh, you talked about uh, compassion earlier, and you talked about your vision, uh, your humanistic vision, and 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 in every um, in whatever you said, there is this uh, this humanistic uh, way of dealing with the patient. Can you share more? Because I know I know how it, it because I experienced that, but I would like our audience to listen to that is it's very important to me and to Saluta to to, today to uh, spread that message that being a doctor is not just about competencies, it's not just about degrees, it's not, I met doctors who had the best competencies and degrees in the world, but still they didn't have the compassion, they didn't have the human skills, they didn't have the human values to connect with the patient and that impacted my mental health and impacted my, well, maybe not my resilience because I was anyway resilient because uh, I am kind of like anything that gets stuck in my way. I'm like, no way I will let this uh, impact my, my life. So can you share more about your practices and how also can that might inspire others to follow your steps? Yes, yes. Today I would like to share a couple of life stories. The most exciting and beautiful I lived as a doctor is Valerias. Uh, I, I, I believe that Valerias' life story deserves a book. And I plan to, to write a book about this, this story. Valeria was 15 years old back in 1999 when we met. Being a teenage athlete, an excellent skater, she began to suffer scissors due to a lesion in her brain. The circumstance in which we met was somewhat accidental. 
since I was about to go out from the hospital on a Friday afternoon when I was called from the operating room for a frozen. Frozen is an intraoperative consultation to define to the surgeons if the lesion is benign or malignant and this guide uh, the, the surgeons the tactic to do. There the neurosurgeon needed to know if Valeria's brain injury was a vascular malformation or a tumor. I immediately knew that the lesion was a rare aggressive malignant tumor. What followed in the weeks of her hospitalization has to do with this life today. I met his father while he was still trying to solve the very complex diagnosis of Valeria's brain tumor, so much so that I took it to the consultation of the most important experts in neuropathologists from my country and abroad. Uh, the case was consulted in, in France. If he was, there were two differential diagnoses with different treatments, and that was the difficulty of the situation. While that was happening, aware of the anxiety that always generates waiting for a pathological diagnosis, I arranged an appointment with the family and explained to the family the reasons for the delay and realizing in this occasion that they had a strong spirituality, I revealed something I do for my patients in addition to defining their diagnosis to pray for them. Valeria's father told it to her, and since then, Valeria said that I was her doctor, not the surgeon, nor the oncologist. When diagnosed, Valeria had a serious complication after her first chemotherapy, a cerebral hemorrhage. There she told me that she wanted me to be her godfather, someone like a tutor in her spiritual life. I visited her after my work hours while she was hospitalized, waiting to improve her blood coagulation condition in order to be reoperated for removing the blood clots in her brain. This time lasted almost a month. Valeria received a surprise on a Saturday morning. I remember well how, how if it had happened yesterday. She was in her wheelchair. We arranged a special visit for her. We talked with the Argentinian singer she loved, called Sonia, and she came to the hospital to sing for her. It was a touching experience for all of us who were there that day. What happened next is scientifically difficult to explain. In the last MRI control, just after four days of the prior image control, the image of brain clots had completely disappeared. A genuine miracle that we are, we were witnesses. Valeria left the hospital without having to undergo surgery again. She lived, she lived just over three years from this fact. She asked me that she wanted bringing a message of hope to other seriously ill people she visited. The brain tumor unfortunately relapsed 
in 2003, almost three years later, and Valeria passed away in March the 1st, 2003. I believe and feel she always helps me from where she is because she promised it to me the last afternoon we met, two days before her death. I remember I visited her at her home. She was calm. We ate together almost a kilogram of an ice of ice cream. We enjoyed it. She had the hope to be reoperated and be admitted in the university. Hopes that I heard and fed, maintaining that light. I remember well our last words we share. And sorry for my emotion. I said to Valeria, you know, I am a very busy doctor, but not for you. If you need me, just call me. Valeria replied to me immediately, same Godfather. When you need me, you can call me too. The day after she became in coma, since then, I call Valeria every time when I need her. This is Valeria's life story. The other life story I want to share with you is shorter. The patient came to me from the knowledge of a friend in common. He was a man who had been diagnosed with a rapidly progressive and poor prognostic type of acute leukemia. When I met him, he revealed to me that he had not seen his two sons almost since they were born due to a conflict with his ex-wife. Those two sons should already be over 20 years old at that time. Knowing the severity of his illness, I told him that sometimes Ill illness teaches us what is really important and guides us to live behind conflicts and separations. I explained to our friend in common, time was running out soon. Then he located the sons and taking them to visit his father, who was getting worse day after day. The reunion and forgiveness were sublime. The sons were able to reunite with their father and accompanied him in the last three days he lived. The patient I met was a tormented man, resentful of his past. A few days later, he was a smiling man who died in peace, reconciled with his sons, who took care of him and accompanied him until he passed away. Yeah. I remember he said goodbye to me with a smile of immense happiness, telling me, dear doctor, you ignited me, you ignited a small flame of hope in me some days ago that flame today is an intense fire. Yeah. Well, of course I have other life story of people who are completely recovered from their yeah. diseases and I had the possibility to meet, to meet in person. Uh, Irma, Laura, Lina, just to mention some Maybe you need to write a book about all these stories. And uh, yeah, it can be a great way to inspire other doctors. You can write a but book about the, all these the, stories and how you manage. The, the message is compassion makes miracles happen. This is true. Mm -hmm. I, I am a witness. Yeah. 
of, of it. And this I am is... a patient <laughs> who experienced that indeed. Yes. This is, yeah, this is so true. And I wanted to share one thing that I, I think I, I am seeing and I'm hearing from you is that not only that you helped these people go through their challenging times with hope and ignited flames in them, and even if these patients did not have the healing that they were hoping for, what you managed to do is heal other people's lives as well. Because I'm sure that the father of uh, Valeria and the sons of the patient that you shared the story of were suffering as well. And you brought healing in their lives as well. And this speaks to how important, as Hanane said, how important the interactions with a doctor are not only to the patient, but also to the entire family and to the circle that is impacted by that person. Because yeah. we are not alone here, right, on this planet. We all belong to circles of energy and we all impact each other in certain ways. So just a kind reminder to everyone out there, you know, be aware of your, your words and your actions because you're not impacting only the person in front of you that you're talking to. You're impacting everyone in that person's life as well because they go home with the energy that mm -hmm. you, you exactly. bring in their lives, whether it's positive or negative, and they, they share that in their world as well. So thank you for this amazing reminder, because I think we all need to hear that from time to time, that we are all interconnected and we are all affected by each other's interactions, Absolutely. words, energies. And I wanted to ask you, because you talked about patients who are in critical stages of, of their disease, right? And you shared these two cases, which are so inspirational, and we are fortunate to be, uh, to be having you here and share them, which are miracles in themselves, even if the patients did not heal, but because of the healing that you produced at, the, at a soul level, right? Um, I wanted to ask you, how do patients in general act when they're going through critical stages? How do they react? We, we were fortunate to, to study the, the teachings of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross in one of the subjects of, of our university. My, my university have this humanistic vision. And Elizabeth Kubler-Ross has described very well the phases that patients and relatives and their families must go through in a mourning process, just facing every loss. This phase are, and it's important to keep in mind, not always in this order, not always in every person, and especially not always the patient is in the same phase of their families or their relatives. Uh, first of all, probably the, the impact of receiving a, a, a serious diagnosis, uh, a common reaction is of sadness or, or depression. The second one is probably the, the negation. For example, this cannot happen to me. It must be a mistake in the test. 
or it will be the results of other patients. This is common, common thinking, common thoughts. Uh, after all, negotiation, sometimes in the, in the form of promises to the relatives or to God in the way we would believe in, common feeling is anger, anger. We as, doc we, we as doctors have to, to know it and to accept it. It's very common and a hard face. And the anger particularly directed to the most beloved persons and even to us, doctors. And, and the message of this face is, this illness is your fault. I remember well a patient who expressed me, she hated me, literally, just for having made her diagnosis of a lung cancer. And understanding the anger of this patient with her disease, I, I, I remember that I, I take the, her hands and a warm look without any word. And, and, and the patient began to cry, began to cry. And, and, and the anger was completely disappeared. And after this uh, prior bitter, stage, bitter stages, the, the final phase is of acceptance or agreement. Uh, this is the, the, the desired phase. After going through all those prior bitter stages, it comes the acceptance or agreement. That is a, a positive phase, plenty of quiet joy and hope, forgiveness and compassion. First of all, with themselves and with the others. And it's a peaceful phase. This yeah. is the, the, the and, and we have to detect the, the phase in the patient and in their context. Yeah. Sometimes uh, they come all together at the same time. All these emotions like anger, depression, frustration, uh, denial, all these things happen at the same time. I experienced that in many stages in my life when I, when I had to go through different surgeries. And what happens along the years is that I noticed that whenever I hear something new about a new surgery, a new challenge, I just go directly to acceptance because I just, you see, I just realized that each time I had to go through the anger, frustration, and then at the end I will accept. And, you, and what I do right now is that when I hear something challenging to me, I go to that, I skip all those stages and I go directly to acceptance because I don't want to lose my time anymore. Because for me, if I don't go to acceptance and focus on the solutions, I will be wasting my time with anger and, and frustration. And at the end, I will end up in acceptance. So let's make it short. My mind is like, okay, let's make it short and go to acceptance and focus on the solution and move but, on. But we, we as doctors have to know these faces and accompany the, the yes. patient to the desired final phase of of acceptance and wow. and it's natural and it's uh, the, the 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 prior phases or steps uh, exist and, and and we have to know and accompany the patient in everyone yeah well no this is the first time i think i hear a doctor telling me that we uh, try to help our patients to overcome these stages 
I also know many pathologists that are limited to delivering the results of, of, of the diagnosis and they don't go further. They don't, they don't have any direct contact with the patient. They don't have any communication with the patients. And this is really very uh, deceiving. Uh, anyway, um, I hope that today, uh, um, I think we all understood that compassion, either as a doctor or any other career, compassion can help people heal. Compassion can help us all heal and let go of the pain, the physical pain, because sometimes, well, a patient has two challenges at the same time. The disease itself, the pain itself, and the mental uh, uh, issues going on, like this um, mental struggle. So if a doctor can understand, and not all of them understand that, because I know that there are some doctors who are compassionate, who are really uh, uh, patient-focused, and I also know that there are a lot of doctors there just to nurture their... Um, uh, just to add to their financials and work on their, like... Well, the external parts of being a doctor is... This is the truth. Uh, this is really the truth. I know they, they keep growing rich, but uh, from inside, they, they're not really helping uh, patients. So what can you say? Uh, what, what advice can you give uh, to our audience today, uh, either as a, a doctors or anyone in a medical field or as also as a patient? Because maybe the people here, they're not necessarily doctors, but as a patient, and I was this patient uh, when looking for a doctor in the past. I was looking at the competencies and maybe uh, at the, uh, the degrees and where this doctor uh, is practicing. But today, my first priority is to find a doctor who has compassion as a value. And I, I and recently I visited the doctor, and one of the things that inspired me to visit her and to talk to her is a simple video on her channel uh, where she talks about compassion and how she uses compassion, compassion to connect with people. And I was not deceived because when I visited her, every single thing she said in that video, I found it in the way she talked to me, in the way she handled this uh, session with her. And it's amazing. So what can you share with our audience in a, like a few minutes? Okay, this is a challenging question to answer, but I try to do my best. I think it's essential to take time for ourselves to connect with our deepest truth and feelings. Conscious breathing can help us a lot to mindfulness, to being here in a world that distracts us all the time. This is for me a necessary condition to be able to hear others well with the heart and support others that are struggling. Feed your mindset with readings that keep you calm, show your purpose in life, keeping a positive attitude and teach you to be a giver of peace and hope to others. When you are continuously giving and taking attention to others, it's important to stop and to look at deep inside. If you are one of those who suffers, who, who listens to me today and you are suffering, I remind you that meanwhile we are alive, there's hope. Another similar sentence I like to, if there is 1% of hope, 
we keep, we will have 99% of faith. If you have someone who assists those who suffer, the teachings of great spiritual masters come to me. You know the so-called golden rule. The golden rule present, is present in different holy textbooks and says, behave with others in the same way that you would like them to do with you. It's simple. Remember all those people who have helped you when you were in your darkest times and needed it most and do the same. Make your life be your message. Each compassion with your life, in your family, in your work, your students, your trainees, the happiness of helping others has a powerful strength. I recommend, for example, some movies to my students in the university that emphasizes the key role of compassion in our profession. I remember now The Doctor. It's a, a, an old movie by 1999. The Doctor? With William Hart, in the main character of a dehumanized cardiovascular surgeon, and what happens with when he becomes a patient. Other, mm -hmm. other movies, Awakenings, for example, with Robert De Niro and Robin Williams, I, I recommend to my, to my students. Compassion is the way to make a better world for us and for the becoming generations. And as a doctor, I always remember my Hippocratic oath and those wise Hippocratic principles our teacher taught us, a summary I want to finish with. <laughs> First, do no harm. To cure, sometimes. To relieve, to support and accompany, to listen to, always. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Um and uh, being with us today. Uh, thank you, Mohamed. Uh, thank you uh, for joining us. Thank you, um, uh, Khairi from Morocco. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, my friend, <laughs> for supporting me all this year. Thank you for being present in all our episodes. Uh, Jim is an amazing uh, pharmacist. And I'm sure he uh, applies compassion because he was always compassionate. Um, thank you. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> I may not go through all the our guests today, but I just would like to thank every single person who joined us today. And then let's uh, keep hope and compassion and uh, let's pray for the world. <laughs> exactly. And before we go, can you please share with, with our audience where they can find you and they can connect with you? It's possible by my LinkedIn profile. And this is my, my email in the, in the screen, the, my email or, or by LinkedIn profile. Okay. Perfect. Thank you so much, everyone. Uh, Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for uh, sharing the message of hope with us. Uh, guys, if you were looking to hear some inspirational stories, I think you did get some good ones today. I know that I had goosebumps where you were sharing the stories and I had moments when I felt like tears were welling up my eyes. So thank you so much for taking the time to share your message with, uh, with the world and with our audience, uh, Pedro. 
Thank you, Hanan. Do you have anything that you want to say in closing? Yeah. Any last words? Thank you, Hanan. Thank you, Celuta. Yeah, well, thank you, Pablo. Stay with us. Don't leave. And uh, we'll see you next week with a new episode. Thank you. And uh, have a wonderful day. Bye, everyone.